A16, A17, M1, M2, M3. Just what is going on with Apple Silicon? In this episode of the Macworld Podcast, we'll talk about the state of Apple's chips, where they are now, what's in store, how will it affect you and your devices. It's all in this show. Stick around. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. So we're well beyond the two years that Apple said it would take to transition its Macs to Apple Silicon. And since WWDC is coming in June, we thought it would be a good idea to talk about the state of Apple, Apple's chips. And in the overall view of things, uh, I think Apple's transition has gone pretty much as well as it could have gone. You know, we had the pandemic that kind of threw everything off, but Apple seemed to handle everything okay. The transition, like it r- arrived, like right in the middle, or really the start of the pandemic. WWDC was was online only in 2020. For the, that was the first event that was online only because of they couldn't obviously get people to to gather to to watch a live keynote. But I don't think Apple or any of us knew quite how long this would stretch like it's literally the pandemic literally stretched as long as the transition which was two years and i don't think apple really kind of could have predicted the supply chain stuff the you know the the on and off again lockdown stuff and you know the fact that they wouldn't have a, a live event again like they've handled this entire massive transition from intel to their own chips while a ton of stuff is going on that should really adversely affect it, and, and it has, but not in like a yeah, horrible- Yeah, for, for what it's worth, I mean, we always talk about how we're waiting on the Mac Pro. That's the last Apple Silicon chip, but they gave us the Mac Studio, and which was like sort of a new product segment. You know, the Mac Studio at the high end is faster than the Mac Pro unless you have very particular needs, right? Unless you- you absolutely need Intel. You absolutely need to install like separate PCIe cards, or you need that dual graphics card for whatever thing you're doing. Um, you know, for 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 most of the people doing sort of creative work and stuff like that, the, the high end Mac Studio kind of is your Mac Pro. I mean, we've we've talked in the past recently about how. Gee, are they even going to make a Mac Pro? <laughs> it's been a while. We keep thinking it's going to show up, and then it doesn't. And then we're like, well, they've got to, but but who's it for if, if it's not going to have PCIe slots and all this other stuff? Or, up, or upgradable storage or RAM or, you know. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, Apple's completed their two-year transition. I mean, if you want to – say that Mac Pro should be part of that. Yeah, that's fine. But again, you're like Jason pointed out, that's addressing a small or a very small portion of Apple's market. Yeah, and it's even smaller now with the Mac Studio because I'm assuming let's say two percent of Apple's Mac installed base use the Mac Pro. I bet a half of that now Moved, moved to Mac Studio because it's just as fast. I mean, for their needs, like it's you can't you can't upgrade the RAM or the storage or whatever. But it's like right, but you can get a ton of storage at purchase price for less than you would pay for a Mac Pro. The Mac Pro, yeah. So 
Um, and then they kind of got rid of some products <clears throat> like the 27 inch iMac, you know, so that, that it doesn't have to transition if it doesn't exist. So, <laughs> so there's, there's things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's more or less done. The software's more or less done. Big props to the team, the Rosetta 2 team, because it's just been smooth sailing. Uh, everything works. Uh, you hardly notice the performance difference if something is Intel only and it runs under Rosetta. But most of the stuff has become universal binaries now or or has a specific Mac silicon binary. Uh, and you just don't even notice. Like everything just works fine. It's It's been a shockingly smooth run. I never hear anything about compatibility problems with older software or anything. It all just seems to work. I have, but it's from it's not about Apple Silicon, it's about Mac OS. You've got people who have like USB peripherals or something like that for home recording and music production or whatever. And it's got a driver that doesn't support the latest versions of Mac OS, and you can't get an Apple Silicon machine with old Mac OS on it. Right. So they're they're having a problem, but it's not an Apple Silicon problem per se. It's a my device doesn't support it hasn't been updated in years and doesn't support the latest Mac OS and I can't get that. And that's kind of been a problem for a while. It's just that this transition forces you to upgrade. Whereas you could buy you could often buy a newer Intel Mac and run an older Mac OS on it. And there's sort of that cutoff. So the transition's been good and we're now in the midst of the second generation of M-series chips for the Mac? Yeah, it's been about a year, a little less than a year. Last June at WWDC, they unveiled the M2 with the MacBook Air, the new newly redesigned MacBook Air and 13-inch MacBook Pro. That was it, right? Yeah, just those two. And then earlier this year, they released the 14 and 16-inch MacBook Pro with the M2 Pro and M2 Max processors. And the Mini. And the Mac Mini. Oh, yeah. Right, right. And the Mini with an M2 and M2 Pro. So, all that's left with the M1 is the iMac, 24-inch iMac, the old MacBook Air, which, I mean, I don't know. I assume that just kind of stays on for a couple of years and then disappears, but I, I don't know. Processors. And there is nothing with an M2 Ultra yet, which we wouldn't expect until... Um, until the Mac Studio updates. Or, or um, the Pro, depending. Or the Pro, yeah, it would be the other one that has an Ultra. So when the M1 came out, it was what? Two years before the M2 came out? Year and a half. And we still don't really know if that's going to be the cycle because there were still some production issues. Yeah, my guess is, and, and it's been reported a couple of times from German, Mark German from Bloomberg, that like Apple's overall goal here and it got totally messed up by the supply chain stuff that they want to have the Mac on a, on an annual cadence, just like the iPhone. Now, I, I don't know how realistic that is, or even if it's really necessary because, because the iPad isn't, it never has been on a really predictable cycle. It's around 18 months. Sometimes it's 12 months. Sometimes it's 16 sometimes it's 20 like it's it's and i don't think anyone is complaining about that with the iphone is a very specific thing if people don't get a new iphone in september they will freak 
the Mac is a little is a little bit less so in the sense that you're not going to get a new camera. You're not going to get a new, I don't color. It's just going to have a slightly faster processor. So that, I don't know if that annual cadence really matters, but that's the goal, allegedly, reportedly, that Apple wants to do. So the M2 came out. It was last June at WWDC. It shipped in July. So the M3 has been rumored to come out. We thought maybe this year. Now we're seeing reports. It, it, yeah, the, the rumors for the M3 have been all over the place. Uh, some people said it would be like last year with the 14-inch MacBook Pro and six 16-inch MacBook Pro would would get it, and it would it would be the surprise introduction in, in the fall at that Mac event, which never even happened. Then some people said WWDC, it'll be in the Mac Pro, and that'll introduce it. And now they say that that's not going to happen. Then maybe the fall, maybe 2024. So. I don't know. I have to assume. So this chip is going to align with the A17 chip in the iPhone. Like they're going to be based on the same architecture. I have to assume the iPhone comes first, right? I do think the A17 is going to come first uh, in terms of, I think the M3 is going to be a three nanometer processor. And I don't think it's going to be the first one. That's all but confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's not going to be the first one in part because it's going to be big. They're bigger than the iPhone chips. So I think the A17 is going to be first and then the M3, but it's not based, it would be based on the A16. That's that's where they are. The M2 is based on the A15 sort of uh, microarchitecture. Okay. So then the M3 would be based on the A16. They're sort of one step back. Even though that's five nanometer versus three nanometer, that doesn't matter. Yeah, so that's the that that begs that question. Like, would is the M3 the quote enhanced five nanometer that sometimes Apple calls four nanometer? Like, is it that? Is it instead going to be that? And we are going to see an M3, and then you know, you know they did this thing with the M1 where it jumped manufacturing process technologies. In the Max and Ultra, like when they introduced the higher end ones, and it also got new uh, ProRes decoders, and you got new. Maybe we're looking at that sort of situation. Maybe the the M3 alone is this enhanced five nanometer process, blah blah, blah and it's coming soon. And then the Pros and Maxes and stuff like that come next year. They're three nanometer, and maybe they have some enhancements, or maybe they're just three nanometer because they're going to be so big. That would actually make a bit of sense based on the latest. So the latest rumors from Bloomberg again say that Apple is preparing a couple of Macs with an M2 like or or a processor that that aligns with the something like I forget the way it was worded. It was worded very specifically that it wasn't necessarily the M2 as we know it, but it was a, a similar type processor. That would actually make sense if it's an M3. A slight, which is really just a slightly uh, overclocked or, or enhanced M2, and the real generational M3 will come with the M2 with the M3 Pro, and then that would also open the door for for that Mac Pro that we've been waiting for with a, a super enhanced ultra processor. That that makes sense. Apple Silicon, sort of where they are in all this stuff is it's very muddy because they haven't had this regular cadence it's it's hard to predict like we know there's an a17 
coming in the iPhone this fall. In the Pro, at least, right? <laughs> and the regulars will probably get an A16. It would be weird if that didn't happen, but it's really hard to tell what's going on with the M-series stuff because it's been so all over the map. It's like, oh, we, we get this, we get the Pro and the Max, we don't have the Ultra yet, we have the jump manufacturing processes in the middle of the thing. They, they, so so many different things. They, they don't, they're just not on a regular thing that you just can't predict. Yeah, it's been two years since we got the iMac. That's the longest uh, for, for an uh, aside from the M1 Air, which I assume is just there to be an affordable option. I don't know if they'll ever update that. Maybe they will. I'm very surprised, aren't you, that they haven't updated the 24-inch the iMac just to slap an M2 in it? Just to throw an M2 in it, just to say it's new, like nothing else. It doesn't need much else. Maybe Bluetooth 5.3, maybe Wi-Fi 6E. That's it, though. We've heard rumors of a 27-inch iMac that Apple's working on, or an iMac Pro, or whatever. It's a it's a larger iMac. It could be a fast, uh, more professionally geared iMac. So maybe Apple's trying to line up that product line. I don't know. Yeah, th- those rumors exist, and we've written about them. I don't know if I believe Apple's ever going to resurrect a 27-inch iMac. Although I didn't think it would resurrect the home body either, and it did that, so maybe I'm wrong. But it feels like those rumors are kind of mixed up with a 27 inch display that Apple's working on. Correct. Right. Yeah, they come from the watching the supply chain, and it's hard to tell if they're this 27 inch panel that they're buying in small quantities to do test stuff of and everything. Is that for a, a, an actual monitor, a display, or is that for an iMac? Uh, we've also heard that the regular 24-inch iMac is undergoing a bit of a redesign, but not one that would be noticeable to users. It's designed to be a little simpler to manufacture, possibly repairability and stuff like that, uh, which has been uh, a priority of Apple's. The latest iPhone <laughs> has been is a lot easier to repair. It, it could be that kind of thing too. Like they're that's what the holdup is for this announcement. You know, they're looking at these things and, and maybe, like you said, maybe if M3 is coming, why release an M2 24-inch iMac just months before an M3 is released and then everybody's like, oh, well, this is obsolete. Yeah, well, that that's the other issue. You're right, is that – so the the rumor at WWC, the, the most solid rumor, it's that there's a 15-inch MacBook Air coming. Like if that has an M2, which it would – and then the M3 comes out in October. It's the same issue that we have now. Like everything's kind of like all over the map here. Like at some point, Apple has to like hit the reset button and either release products with, within three months of each other, which it has done in the past. Like we used to have that like mid 2013 MacBook and the, the late 2013 MacBook. Like they've done that before. But there's at some point, they're going to have to get every all of these product lines on some kind of a of a similar cadence just so they don't look older than they should like it's easy when it's a core i5 2.9 gig and a core i3 like no one knows what that means in apple world right you see m1 you see m2 you see m3 it's pretty clear which is faster than the other yeah it it needs to get to the point where when apple releases the m4 uh, that every product that has the m3 in it gets an m4 upgrade like it's now yeah, within got like four two or three it. months of each other, yeah, or even just immediately, just like it, it's they're swapping out the motherboard, the processor with for the, for the new processor, and then when the M4 Pro is released, everything that had the M3 Pro gets the upgrade to the M4 Pro, 
right? Even if it's just, yeah. like you said, just the processor, it doesn't get new displays, cameras, you know, whatever. And then every two, three years, whatever, there will be other more significant updates, like they change the keyboard or you mm-hmm. know, face ID or whatever they're going to do. They do need to get on a more predictable thing. They they really can't be releasing. They can't they can't be selling M ones when M threes are out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's they really can't be selling M twos when M threes are out. I understand selling M two Pro when there's no M three Pro. M three just regular base lowest rung M three comes out. They have M two Pro for people who need more RAM or whatever. That's fine. I get that. And that could be part of what German said, like why they want to be on a cadence. Maybe they want to design these products to make it easier to replace just the main motherboard processor, you know, to make it more modular in that way, where from a manufacturing standpoint, it's easier to say, this is the new chip. We can update all our things really easily. Jason, could you, uh, for people who are unfamiliar, explain this whole five nanometer, three nanometer, four nanometer thing a little bit. Every time I write about a processor story and I write it and I think, do people really understand what this is? I write it and I think, <laughs> do I need to explain it again? I- yeah. You, I mean, you could easily spend a whole podcast just arguing about this. It is the size of the features on the chip, meaning the transistors and the wires that connect them and everything. That's what they're talking about when they say this is a five nanometer chip, a seven nanometer chip, a three nanometer chip, whatever. What exactly is three nanometers big in a three nanometer chip? Varies. Different manufacturers are measuring different things. It used to be kind of accepted that it was the sort of uh, size of a particular kind of feature or the space between features. And now it's just kind of all over because different kinds of transistors on the chip are um and different gates and different gate technologies have different shapes you have an x y and a z axis which which axis are you measuring which which part of this gate uh or are you measuring and stuff so like intel's named all of their upcoming chip technologies different than tsmc for example who makes all of apple's chips and amd's and nvidia's because how they measure nanometers is so different <laughs> and they don't want to sound like they're behind, right? So they have their process technology. They call it like Intel 7, but it's really like a 10 nanometer process or something. Or Intel 4, it's they call it Intel 4 because it's like a 4 nanometer process, but it's really their 5 nanometer process. And then they have the 20A, which is like 20 angstroms, which is the next smallest step, you know, and 18A. And so, you know, you can't directly compare different manufacturers. You can compare TSMC's 7 nanometer to 5 nanometer to 3 nanometer and go, okay, these are major changes in how big all the features on the chip are. But it's uh, you can't you can't compare one Samsung's to TSMC's to Intel's. And generally speaking, smaller means you get more logic in the same area, and you can run it with less power. But it's also you run into tricky bits of like these features are so small, five nanometers, three nanometers. They're so small and so close together, electrons can jump 
from one to the other. So you got to, there's, there's weird limits all over the place. The smaller the user can experience better power efficiency and better performance. You could. It's up to the chip manufacturer to decide what they want to do with it. Smaller means it, they're more expensive to manufacture, but it means the same chip can be smaller, which means you get more of them on a wafer. Or you could, in the same area, if you want your chip to be a certain size, you could fit a lot more logic in there and cache and all that other stuff that makes it go faster. And you could improve power efficiency. I mean, make it run with less power, or you can make it run with the same power, but faster. And usually they end up somewhere in the middle on all these things. It, it should be pointed out that Apple is really the only game in town for this three nanometer chip. Um, so TSMC, which is their, their the manufacturer of their chips, is the first chip maker to come out with a three nanometer process. And Apple basically bought all of it. Like that's what the reports out of the supply chain say, is that Apple, there's not a single other person buying three nanometer chips for the iPhone, for them, for the Mac. They bought the entire run basically for 2023 from what we Yeah, understand. this happened with five nanometer too. Apple's got the big checkbook and they go, we're going to pay you a premium to get the first production of your new manufacturing process. So those first benchmarks... If you're comparing the A17 against the uh, Snapdragon, what is it, 8 Gen 2, maybe even the 8 Gen 3, like they're already ahead. So the benchmarks are going to be wider and wider and wider. That doesn't necessarily translate into real world performance. I mean, we like to throw these numbers around and Apple has run circles around Qualcomm's processor, the mobile processors for a long time. It's going to get probably worse for them especially if you compare it against the current Gen 2. But what does that really mean? Like our iPhones are so fast. It really is becoming uh, more important, not that the CPU is 15% faster or something. It's really more important that they are adding features. Things in the image processor, um, a stronger, more powerful image processor, better video decoding and encoding, what they call the neural engine, which is their machine learning inferencing processor. Like, Making those things a lot faster has more to do with your software experience than making the CPU or the GPU like 10% faster, 15% faster, because you can't notice that's not the bottleneck now. What's the bottleneck is can they implement new features with new hardware that didn't exist before? And of course, like you said, power efficiency. Everyone wants a longer battery life, no matter what it is. And that's a complicated array of your display technology, your cellular radios, your Wi-Fi, like everything. There's so many things that use power. Wait, before we switch off of this real quick, do you does the Apple Watch, so the Apple Watch uses an S chip. It's on the S8. It's a system in package. Is that also going to change to a three nanometer chip? Do you have any idea or, or any inference they there? Don't, Apple doesn't like to say what manufacturing process they're made on. And there's been some kind of argument. It's not easy to tell without busting out an electron microscope. So there's been some uh, confusion about like, are they on seven nanometer? When did they switch to five nanometer? Things like that. And I don't think anybody really knows. Certain chips in the system in package are different manufacturing processes. But the main... CPU and GPU complex thing. It's hard to say. I, I would guess that it's on the five nanometer 
process, not the newest, enhancedest five nanometer slash four nanometer thing. It may not be there yet. It, it's in a weird place because they they need maximum power efficiency and minimal size, but they also are really budget conscious because it's not an expensive thing. They're not charging a thousand dollars for it. And from what we know, Apple doesn't really say much about the Apple Watch chip, but the S8 is the same as the S7 is the same as the S6. Uh, for all intents and purposes, they haven't really enhanced, changed it much. Uh, does anything? They haven't like it's the same speed, same benchmarks, the same. If you can, if you can figure out a benchmark from the teardowns and things, they're they're basically identical. So I wonder if the S9 is that leap, that generational leap that we haven't gotten in, jeez. I don't know, five years, four years. Yeah, they've both mostly been upgrading the watch in terms of uh, improving and adding sensors, changing the accelerometer and stuff, which let them do the crash detection and everything. And, and of course, you know, blood oxygen measurement and all those other things. That's that's where they've been going. Honestly, it, they, I don't feel like the Apple Watch isn't fast or responsive enough. No, not at I all. I feel like if they're going to improve the processor, keep the performance the same, just push on power efficiency, make make all of your improvements only about power efficiency. Yeah, we saw the Apple Watch got double the battery life largely because it has a larger battery, but there like are the some improvements even. there as well to, to the ultra, yeah. what, I, what I say. And it's, there's also some improvements to, to low power mode and things like that. So it's definitely something that they are working toward. And you know we'll, we'll see with that S9 chip if it changes anything, but I agree. The Apple Watch, I want to say the first couple generations were like noticeably slow. Yes. Like yes. you would tap it and two seconds later, something would happen. And then around like the S3, when they, when everything, when the app became native, uh, it started to become a little more independent of the phone. Like it was like a massive leap, S3, S4, S5, and then it kind of leveled off. And I have an SE from the first SE. So what's that? That's an S5 chip, I think. And it's fine. Like, there's nothing. I have no complaints about the speed of anything. The Apple Watch Series 4 was the first one where they really changed the way the watch looks, right? Mm -hmm. That's where they got the, like, rounded circles. They they, they made the bezels yep. a lot smaller instead of having hard edge square screen. It had, they pushed the screen out to the edges, and they changed a lot. They changed the accelerometers and all this other stuff. But they also had that S4 chip, which is like a dual bit a dual core processor everything about the apple watch really changed in the in that series four and since then uh, it, they've all been like yeah this is fast enough so the series four i'm looking at that was 2018 so it's been this will be five years now i mean the chips have improved the s the series five was a better chip and stuff but it didn't need it iphone was the first apple device that featured an apple chip yeah i think it was the iphone 4 which was the A4 chip. They, they jumped to the A4. They were using Samsung, I believe Samsung processors before that. And at, like at the time, I remember like we wrote about it and read about it. Like it wasn't like this, oh my God, Apple's making its own chips. Like we had no idea. There wasn't really a reaction to it. It was just kind of, oh yeah, they're doing a, a phone Yeah, chip. right. Well, because they never talked about the chip before. Like we didn't know really what was inside it in the one, in the two, or the 3S, whatever. The, the four, like it was an interesting tidbit as part of the four and then six seven by the time the 10 and the and the newer ones came around it's like wow this is a huge advantage that apple has over its competitors and then now that it's come to the mac 
you know, it just it just blows the doors off what they're able to do with their with their silicon. And it was interestingly that the GPU was still not designed by Apple for years, all the way till the A11 is when we got Apple's own GPU design. It was designed by PowerVR before that. A hu- that was a huge leap. <laughs> it's been a change, and that's always where sort of everything starts. All the M series stuff, and probably if you broke it down, the S series stuff in the watch and everything, all yeah. are sort of derived from the leading edge work done in the iPhone. So when there's a new CPU architecture, like a new CPU core design, it usually ends up in the iPhone first. When there's new video encoders or decoders, it usually ends up in the iPhone first. Yeah. Image processor, neural engine, all those things. They start in the iPhone and then like filter out to the M series and the and everything else. So yeah, so that'll be like the seventeen. And we we said this before. We said this earlier. Like that'll be the big introduction of this new generation of chip, and then we'll see we'll see where it goes. Yeah, the, the part of the interesting thing about that will be inferring from the A six the Jeep the leap from the A sixteen to the A seventeen. Like you can look at the M series and go like, oh, well, that's what the M three to M four is going to be, or the M three Pro to M four Pro. Whenever they make that architectural leap. That same thing gets to the M series. You can expect relatively the same kind of performance leap and, and feature set. Unless that's the M3, unless they align, like we don't know yet. If the M3 is three nanometers, which we also don't don't really know. Like all we know is that Apple is sucking up all these chips, but they could just be, right. They, they have to sell a couple hundred million iPhones a year. So it could just be A17s. It's worth noting that you can't just take a design, for example, the M2, which was designed for a particular manufacturing process, and just manufacture it with three nanometer. It does take design reworking. It's less than redesigning the whole chip, but there's enough differences in how the things behave that you just can't just like, well, just run it through the three nanometer factory. Like it doesn't work that way. There's, there's no three nanometer button you can just press. <laughs> well, yeah. like I mean, obviously they do billions of dollars of work to update the update the fab, but you just can't take that design and say run it through this fab. You have to change the design, or you're going to have problems with like electrons skipping and stuff, like, all kinds of weird. So yeah, we don't know what's going on, but let's not forget they're making a VR headset. What's that going to get? We don't know if it's going to get A series or M series, and it's allegedly has a new separate coprocessor. They call it the reality chip or something like that. I don't remember, but it's it's to do all of the sensor fusion and image processing on from all the cameras and and LIDAR and all that other stuff and and hand that off to the CPUs. Like meant to do that extremely fast and that we don't know what that's going to be, but certainly certainly power dissipation and heat and all that other stuff is a huge concern. On the ERC headset, and it's so expensive, they're not going to make a whole lot of them. So those could be three nanometer chips too. The, the early, early rumors was that the, the test units had an M1 in it, so it's not a stretch to think. I, I think as far as efficiency and heat, it, it works in a MacBook Air with no fan, and it certainly doesn't need to power that level of computing. So I think it could definitely work as far as not burning your face off inside of a headset. Yeah, I would I would expect it's going to get an M2 or an A16 or something like that. But what is the reality processor part going to be? 
What's that made from? I guess kind of to wrap this up, I get a lot of email from users asking if they should buy now or wait. Not necessarily with the iPhones because that has a predictable product cycle. It's more with the Macs now. We have a whole series of articles that literally are called buy now or wait for like every Apple product. But in general, what I tell people now is the Macs are fast enough regardless of what processor they're using for most general users. Yeah, for sure. Because I get these emails too, and like I'll respond like, "Listen, if you can wait, wait. Like if you can wait, like if you if you don't need it, you have a Mac that's working. Maybe it's a little slow. You know, in six months it will probably be something better. But if you have to buy one now, anything you pick, even if you buy it, if you have eight hundred bucks and you buy an M1 MacBook Air on sale on Amazon, it's a great machine. Like all of them that Apple sells." are really, really good, except the Mac Pro. I wouldn't buy that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but all, like any laptop, all, the Mac Mini is fantastic. When you, if you, you can get that on sale for 500 bucks, that is a ridiculously good machine for that price. Um, yeah, you'll need a keyboard, mouse, monitor, all that stuff. Yeah, but, mouse, all that stuff. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, th- that is so generally true. I think we will let you know when there's a, a big hold, like when the MacBook Air, the M2 MacBook Air was about to come out. We were expecting a big refresh, new design, new display, uh, all these other things, and um, and we'll and that's a good time to say like, no, you should wait, you should see what that is first. And it did end up being a little more expensive, but it's a, it was a major overhaul and worth waiting for. Uh, I, there's just right now in the Mac, it's not like we're looking at it going like, oh, there's a major overhaul coming. Uh, the only thing we can say really is. Boy, if you really want a big MacBook and you don't want to buy the Pro, well, maybe there's a big Air coming. Right. Well, maybe maybe wait to see if that drops at WWDC. But we've been <laughs> that was supposed to drop last year, and then it was supposed to drop this spring, and now it's supposed to drop at WWDC. <laughs> I'm not sure it exists. It does look like it's actually going to finally come. But yes. Who the hell knows? But it's yeah, just and, and the, the other thing with that stuff, like, like if you buy one, let's say you buy one today, you buy a 14 inch MacBook Pro. And then in October, something new comes out. You're going to get a pretty good return on that old one if you sell it. Either you sell it back to Apple or you sell it privately. Like, you, you know, you'll lose a little bit, but you're going you're gonna to get, if you pay, say you pay 2000 for it, you'll probably get 15, 14, 1500 for it back even then. Yeah. So, you know, there's always that option as well. If something comes out that you, oh man, like I really want that thing. So, you know, just do a little work, sell it, and, 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 and get that one. Yeah, the Apple stuff retains its value pretty well. Yeah, massively. That does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 837. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast and the podcast app on Spotify or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.